letter of Paul to the Philippians. My brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel. Together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their cities. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets, and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out to the streets and gathered all who they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. And the king said to the attendants, Find him hand and foot, and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord.
Traditional interpretation has it that the king is God and the son is Jesus. The king has invited people to the banquet, but they don't come, even when reminded by the king's slaves. They are too busy working on their farms, tending to their businesses. And some are even so angry about the persistence of the king's messengers that they kill them. The king responds by destroying the city, as Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans. The king then invites everyone to the party, people off the street, the good, the bad, the poor, everyone is invited to feast. And that part sounds like good news. That's the God we want to know. But then the story takes a really disturbing turn. One guest, who was no doubt happily balancing wine glass and plate, enjoying an unexpected delicious feast, confronted by the host. Why are you not wearing a wedding robe? We're told the man was speechless. As we might be too if we had just been invited off the street to what we understood to be an impromptu party. The guest thought the king's invitation was an open invitation to come as you are. Just to enjoy a delicious meal, perhaps some live music, beautiful flowers, decorations, some time away from the usual humdrum of everyday life. But the king reacts incredibly harshly to the guest who is not dressed properly. He orders his servants tie this man up and throw him out of here into a place of darkness and great suffering. I don't know about you, but when I hear this, I just kind of shut down. I want to close that Bible, put it up on the top shelf in my office, and maybe not open it up for a while. Maybe sit there and think about my grocery list. Or perhaps where I will be going to lunch today after church. Perhaps you feel that way too. But there is good news in here. Remember the context of Matthew's community. They saw the violence and destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of the Holy Temple. Those who were left understand themselves to be the ones invited to the party in the second wave of invitations. They, like us, know ourselves to be both good and bad. Latecomers to the banquet, perhaps never really quite properly dressed, or maybe not sure even what the proper attire would be. They, like us, know that Jesus was killed and that he rose from the dead. They, like us, heard the stories of the first disciples who saw the risen Lord. They, like us, believe by faith. This good news that violence and destruction and death do not 
have the last word. Matthew tells his community and tells us that Jesus is the Messiah, the longed-for, hoped-for Savior, the one who invites us all to the table. The invitation is here, and we are free to accept it. But it isn't a casual invitation. Proper clothing is required. Not literal clothing, of course. But we are asked, as St. Paul says, to put on the garment of Christ. Through our baptism, we are joined with Christ in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection. So to be clothed in him is to wear his love, his forgiveness, his humility, his concern for justice, his preference for the poor, to wear those things right next to our skin. So we remember who we are and how we are to live and to treat others. To be clothed in him is to wear this gentleness and kindness and forgiveness and love out into the world. To be visible signs, joyful witnesses to the good news we have received and to invite others to come to the feast. I talked with a lot of different people this week about this story. To be completely honest, this is one of those where you turn the page to see what you're going to be preaching about and you go, oh, like, really? Hard one. So I talked to a lot of folks. And one person said something which really stuck with me. She said, maybe the first guests, the ones at the beginning of the story, refused to come to the wedding banquet because they saw what might happen to them. That they somehow knew there was risk or danger or expectation. She may have been onto something. I wonder if one of the reasons we find this story so uncomfortable is that part of us wants our faith to be easy. We want to come to the party in our own clothes when it's convenient for us. One thing this parable suggests is that we are not alone in our desire to be in charge of ourselves, to prefer God on our terms. The good news is that God, the heavenly king and creator of all of us, continues to invite us. That is the theme of the story. He just keeps inviting people. He invites us into real life, where there is grief and darkness, yes, but where there is also feasting and joy. And he asks of us that we participate. God made a covenant with Moses and the people of Israel. God made a covenant with all of us through Jesus. Jesus 
said at the Last Supper, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. We are invited each week to drink from this cup, to show up right there with our whole selves, clothed as a child of God. And that means we need to be dedicated and committed and to participate in the love and forgiveness which has been poured out, unearned, on all of us. So I think we should be a bit awestruck, a bit humble, and maybe even hesitant. For this life of faith, lived fully, will be risky. It will be dangerous. It will require commitment over and over. And forgiveness over and over and over and over again. We can only do it in community, with each other, encouraging one another, feasting together, serving our neighbors, loving our enemies, and looking for new glimmers of God's heavenly kingdom breaking through in our world, pointing to those and calling them out. Paul said to the scattered in Philippi, keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard, and the God of peace will be with you. So my friends, as we begin again this journey together, as I learn more about you, you learn more about me, and we listen for God's call to us as a community, may we be brave. May we take risks. May we clothe ourselves every morning in Christ.
and do good and joyful things, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. For you are the source of light and life. You made us in your image and called us to new life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name.
Passover is sacrificed for us. The gift of God for the people of God. Take him in the reverence that Christ died for you. Feed on him in your heart. By faith, with thanksgiving, knowing that all are loved.
In the name of this congregation, I send you forth bearing these holy gifts, that those to whom you go may share with us in the communion of Christ's body and blood. We who are many are one body, because we all share one bread. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of God's Son, Jesus Christ. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you this day.